All right, so welcome back, everyone. My name is Aaron Darko, and today I have the special guest, Talia. How do you pronounce your last name? I always butcher it. I love that you ask. DeGiulio. DeGiulio. Talia DeGiulio. I wanted to make sure I got it right. That's why I asked her, <laughs> even though I've known her for years. <laughs> <laughs> so Talia is a transformational coach, affiliate marketer, and visionary leader. And we met about what, three years ago now, mm -hmm. at this event here in Bali called Elevate. Mm -hmm. One of our mutual friends, Emil and Joel Brown, put it on. And I was just uh, really taken aback by your aura, you know, like your, your energy kind of struck me and um, your authenticity as well. So the reason I bring you on the show is because I want you to inspire multiple people like women mostly and then of course the entrepreneurs and just everyone who really wants a better life because yeah. you're really an embodiment of that so thank you i want to congratulate you on your success thank you <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk more about you know who who are you what's your story what brings you to bali <laughs> yeah i mean firstly i'm super blessed that you have me on your show mm. <clears throat> i um I think the world of you, I want to mirror back to you everything you just said about authenticity because you are one of the most genuine, beautiful humans that I know. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, um, and I feel very grateful that we've continued our friendship. And I think even just starting there, Erin, is really powerful because, yeah, Bali life, like transitioning, navigating who you are, I really understand on such a deeper level how important it is to have good humans mm. in your life. So my story, wowza. <laughs> um, you know, I grew up um, as a creative. I've always been a creative. I loved being that girl that always got how it felt to express herself. <laughs> and I think along the years, I, I was super fortunate. You know, I grew up in Sydney, Australia. That's, that's hometown. Um, but I come from Italian background. So to me, it was very natural to be in an environment where everyone spoke and expressed and talked about what was on their heart and their minds. And I think somewhere along my teenage years, I I, um, I got a little lost in that, if I could be really honest. Um, and at the time, I remember, you know, having this real desire for wanting to know more about the world that was outside of my bubble. You know, and I'm sure you can relate. Yeah. It's like you grow up in your hometown and you you understand that there's more to life than like the school that you went to and the friends that you know and the family that you know. Um, and so at 21, I packed my bags with like a thousand dollars to my name and I moved to LA um, just after my 21st birthday. And just to short that, it was the most amazing experience and yet it was the most challenging time of my life. Um, for those of you that have, you know, you know LA well, the polarity in LA is wild, you know, and um, it was a really beautiful time to get clear on like the things that I thought I wanted to do, you know, and how I wanted to, I guess, be a part of this world where I moved there and I wanted, I was, you know, I was doing singing. I was, you know, I'm sure we'll round about to that, but I was, I arrived there and all I wanted to do was sing. And for three years, Erin, I spent, you know, working four jobs. So my days would look like, 
Um, I'd work for like a spiritual healer as an assistant from like eight till 11. I'd drive down to Venice Beach <laughs> and then I would, I was a little girl in like the character suits. So then I would leave there. I'd go down to like Melrose and I would work at kids parties for two hours. Then I'd go home and I'd rest briefly. And then I would work at a bar from like nine till three. So my LA time introduced me to this world of like hustle and like do the things that you need to do so that you can get by. Even if that means losing sight of what you ultimately want to be doing. And I think, especially as a woman, you know, I just, I got burnt out really quickly. Um, and I met my, my, who is now my, my ex-husband, um, and my former partner at the time in LA and my whole world shifted. Like I really understood that like, while I was there for my creativity and my singing, LA taught me the, the density of like, you can do the things that you love and yet it doesn't really fulfill you on the inside. And, you know, LA is a world of creativity. You've got actors, singers, professionals, everyone that's just doing something of value. And I learned very quickly that there's also a lot of people doing it for the wrong reasons. So I returned home to Sydney and life took a, a very 180. I became a fitness instructor and um, I got married. <laughs> And my, my world kind of became the world that I recognized my parents always wanted for me. And I kind of slipped into that a little. And so I was, you know, super grateful to go home and like, you know, I'm still to this day, I'm incredibly blessed for that journey. And um, lo and behold, it was a week before Christmas in 2018 and I booked a flight to Bali. I was like, I'm ready to go and be back in Bali. I had been twice during my teens with my dad and I always felt the joy and love for Bali. And I went for a week and I remember being in, you know, where we are right now, being in Chenggu, being introduced to this world of like island life. <laughs> and um, it was a wild time, Erin. It was seven days that I spent like, identifying and being in total stillness and like really hearing myself for the first time without any noise, any people, any who wants this for me, you know, family, friends, what do I want for myself? And I then spent, you know, the next three months figuring that out. You know, I, I'm, we moved back over to the US for a few months where my former partner at the time, he was a photographer, so he had, had booked some work. And it was then that I had met Emil and uh, found myself three months later back in Bali <laughs> for Elevate, as you mentioned. And that was such a pivotal point to my personal development, you know, of just like, oh, there is a world, a, a real conscious world of like actually doing the inner work. And for the first time in my life, babe, I felt like I was at home in the sense of like, this feels good. This work feels really good. So, you know, I had come back here and I knew then that I had to make some really big changes in my life. Um, one of those was starting with my relationship. And I ended up moving officially to Bali June 2019. And these last two and a half years now have been wild. I, to fast track, um, 
I split with my ex-husband and I really started to uh, get a sense of the humility of what it feels like to be okay with being on your own for a minute. Cut now to where I am today and have met beautiful humans like yourself along the way that I truly believe has shaped my, my, my world. Um, I stepped into the online space during that time, a world that was like not foreign to me, Erin, but I always, I had always used my Instagram platform as a way to speak my thoughts and like share what was on my mind. And slowly but surely that kind of became a forum. And we all know, you know, social media now is, is kind of blown up, right? Every cat and dog in some way is doing it. <laughs> but back then, even a short two years ago, it was, it was still a really foreign territory, right? There wasn't many online coaches. There weren't many entrepreneurs really using what I now call like this now new society of like sharing your message and, and building an income in that way. And, uh, I was very fortunate to have had met a girlfriend here at the time who just started her online business in affiliate marketing. And I really got that if I'm going to do it this time round, I wanted to do it in a way that felt incredibly integral, but ease-filled. And I wanted to make money and I wanted to do the move. I wanted to move to Bali. So I started my online business. I love what I do. I, you know, I'm aligned with such a beautiful, beautiful um, conscious offer that's like water, right? Which is just amazing. Um, and then slowly but surely I started leading and teaching in that space. And six months in, I, you know, I openly say, I know we can have conversations about money and all that. I made six figures in this business. And for the first time in my life, Erin, I was like, huh, I, I could be really good at business. And I know this relates to you because our relationship, um, I've always felt connected with you in the sense of our creativity. I had an, uh, an identity that, oh, because I'm just a creative, I'm not worthy of money or I'm not worthy of being a businesswoman. And slowly but surely that started to fall away. And I realized that a lot of the women that I was impacting that came into my business were women of, you know, ex-dancers, ex-singers, choreographers that loved what they did, but were so burnt out from um, the depths of like, I'm not making money from what it is that I want to do. So long story short, that has been such a journey. And uh, I started my coaching programs and that kind of just took off in a sense. And everyone's journey is different. Every coach is different. I've been very fortunate to build something today that's really organic. You know, I've never been a woman that's like ran ads in my business or um, done anything like that. But it's been a really beautiful way for me to understand myself and how Talia wants to do things. And I think it's a, it's a challenge today more than ever of the imposter syndrome and the comparison and like somebody's doing it this way and it needs to look this way. And I, I would like to think that I've really stuck to my guns in the way that it, that I wanted it to feel. So here I am, that's, that's now, and <laughs> it's been a wild journey. Yeah. I was going to say, what a journey. Wow. So you, you've basically lived what people live, they work for their whole life to achieve. You've accomplished it in the last, what, few years. Yeah. You know, you've yeah. had like a massive transformation in just a few short years. Yeah. It's crazy because I, I find the, 
I find the upper limit in me, meaning like the self-sabotage of me, like, is this too good to be true? Like the idea of like, you can really quantum leap and transform. I truly believe Erin that like we can collapse timelines. So all the things that we're taught, like you go to school and you know, you, you come out and then go on your journey. It's like, well, it needs to take a few years to get the job that you're seeking and then fall into that line and then, you know, go from there. And for me, it really was fast. My transformation was fast. And yet I recognized that it was in the living. It was in the living, the struggles, the hustle, the understanding myself in LA in those years prior, Erin, that like caught up. It was like the tools and the skills I learned come with, I truly believe this, you have to embody it. You can go around in circles learning tools and skills your whole life, but unless you're actually in the embodiment of it, meaning there are going to be moments in your life that you feel like, I failed in this area or I didn't get it right in this area or like, wow, that really grew in a way I didn't know. And every container, Erin, from my relationships to business to friendships, um, I really felt uh, came into play these last three years. And I have been in the work. I've been willing to really fail forward. And I think that there's something in that, you know, of being okay to fail forward because ultimately it's where you find what works for you. So yeah, it's, it's been wild. And I say the biggest thing I'm most passionate about now is allowing women to really get that it's in the inner work, whatever business you run, whatever coaching program you have, whatever normal job you have, whatever relationship you're in, it's in the inner work that things will really transform. Mm. What do you mean by inner work for those watching? Yeah. Those that are not barley savvy, you know, <laughs> this is like the land of the coaches. We talk in jargon, but for people that are like, you know, just living in the Western world, like what, what does that mean? Totally. Say inner work. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd like to describe the inner work as like the things, the small things that you do for yourself every single day, meaning like um, really practicing the idea of like journaling and meditating and, um, getting amongst those that have gone before you in the things that you want and committing to that. That's, that's how I really describe the inner work of like, I've always believed that if I say I want something, I need to get around those that are doing it. And now that I've learned their journeys, uh, you know, everyone tends to say the same thing. It's in the inner work. So I would describe it as like the small things, you know, or the conversation you have with your partner of like, you know, this isn't something that feels good to me. It's, it's trusting, it's having courage. It's being in the embodiment of just like the things we want to turn a blind eye to. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. You said that word courage. I want to pick up on that because you moved to LA when you were 21. As an Australian girl, like any girl, you know, mm -hmm. 21 years old, very young age to go literally all the way across the world <laughs> <laughs> to go and live in LA. Yeah. So that's, that takes a lot of courage. So knew no one knew nothing, had never been to LA before. Uh, and I didn't see it then because I think ignorance is bliss. Sometimes it's like I put the beams on and I was like, I can do this. It's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> Move halfway across the world. And I, and that really was my work, Aaron, because as a woman, just moving in general, not knowing anyone, but then having to have that 
what I what I want to describe as like the masculine of me of like I needed to make money and I, I needed to hold myself like there really wasn't anyone or anything and I had to really unlearn that um, but it was frightening man I'm gonna tell you I look back now or I you know I even hear family members say it it's like you moved halfway across the world at 21 years old as a woman were you scared yeah <laughs> hundred percent. And you know, that could be a podcast episode for another time. But like, there were so many moments that really put me in a position of fear. It's so interesting that I'm saying this now out loud, but I think I got comfortable and started to form a dance with fear a little bit Mm. because I had to. Um, and I, you know, everyone's journey is different, but now in my, as an entrepreneur, it's actually really supported me. It's helped me understand like, okay, fear is always going to be there, whether it's like, you know, you feed it, you know, start a new hobby, whatever it is, you know, but it's learning to dance with it. Um, and it's been incredibly liberating. How did you dance with fear then back then when you were 21? Yeah. ignorance is bliss. I was just ignorant to it. I was aware of it, but the masculine tar was like, you know, it's there, but just like do the goddamn thing anyway, you know? And I think I just really, I know we've spoken about this as friends, this quote, this phrase has literally lived with me since I was 18. I remember listening to Tony Robbins and he said, feel the fear and do it anyway in one of his seminars. And it's stayed with me now for 12 plus years of just feeling that fear. I truly believe that the feeling of anything is actually where um, whatever the scarcity lives and and the fear of it lives. And I I don't really know. I, I, I can honestly tell you my honest answer. I don't fully know how I navigated fear. What I do know is a lot of what I did in the journey of LA was I really listened and anchored in to people that took me out of the um, unsafety of that world at the time. Because I did, I had moments, I lived in smack bam in the middle of West Hollywood, Erin, where there's so much energy, so much um, stuff. And And it felt incredibly, I always kind of felt like I was on the edge of my seat. I never felt safe. And I think that that's a big thing to talk about, especially for women of really not feeling safe. We then search and seek. And in those couple of years, I really, I lent on things that I'm not proud of today, whether it was containers or relationships or people or men. And at the time it served me, at the time it served me where I needed to feel safe in a way that felt incredibly fearful. So you so sounds like I'm not sure, but correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> sounds like you would attract these partners at the time in LA who were not the ideal partner, but they in some way made you feel safe. So even though they wasn't they weren't really right for you, you just went with them anyway. Hundred percent. Yeah. And I, you know, I can't I can't even look you in the eyes and tell you I always knew. My awareness wasn't always there. It was like this feels good. This, as women, we, we want to like land in the arms of safety, but at the time we don't want to see all the stuff that in my experience didn't feel safe at all. Once I figured that out, you know, um, and, and men in a way, I've always been a woman. I just disclaimer here. I've, I never grew up 
like boy crazy. I was always, you know, there's always different parts of what we ultimately focus on. I've always been very driven by vision, even as a young girl, like I cared more about career than like being 17 and like in a relationship. Mm. Um, And I loved that about me. I loved that. And yet I had to learn where I had to not be so focused on like the vision, the future, the what is it that I want and just learn. You know, I truly believe up until this day and you know the beautiful space I'm in now and the relationship I'm in now with my beloved now, but it's like, oh, I now understand that I had to be in those relationships to learn. I think the biggest teachers, any book, any podcast, any whatever we listen to, our biggest teacher is relationships Mm. and I learn a lot from that yeah so you were in LA and then (laughs) you met your your ex-partner yeah who you later married yeah tell us about that (laughs) what what what? yeah (laughs) I remember it's so wild because I remember meeting you and this is you know years later and I Mm. remember having this conversation and I still my girlfriend say to this day like you know um marriage is such a title right and and once we're married you kind of know you get the vibe of like yeah they're married (laughs) you just kind of know and I never really I, I don't think I overly ever carried that but I got married at 24 which is young yeah young I remember being so triggered by I love my parents super dearly they're very Italian they're very rooted in their beliefs which has taught me a lot but I remember saying gosh I can't imagine being married young and lo and behold it's exactly what happened (laughs) yeah um so married life geez wow It taught me everything that I needed and wanted, especially as a young woman. And it also taught me everything that I didn't want. Um, I, I would like to consider myself a very loving person. I struggle with hurting people. And I think even when I got married, Erin, I understood there was a part of me that was like betraying myself because I knew deep down it's not what I wanted. And even to say that out loud on a forum where it's public, you know, and like having to take that responsibility to even, you know, my former partner at the time and recognizing, wow, that that was years there that I loved somebody and I loved him very, very dearly. But I not only betrayed myself, but I betrayed him in my honest truth of like what I truly wanted. And that my marriage taught me that I will never do something ever again that isn't to my truth because it hurts people. Mm. You know, you take yeah. them along with the journey. Why do you think you betrayed yourself when you, when you look back at it now? Like you were in it at the time and you thought that was the right thing to do. Yeah. So what, what was it that now you reflect on it? You're like, oh, I betrayed myself. What, what do you think that was? Yeah. Um, I just feel like I wasn't listening to myself. Mm. I feel like I wasn't listening. We all have it, right? Those like kind of inner thoughts that guide us. Yeah. And as we get older they become more apparent. We know how to navigate them a little bit more. For some, you know, that isn't even the case. We we can go our entire life, not, we have, we do the action and then we have the thoughts and they're two totally separate things. And I feel like I had done enough work to recognize now like, wow, I wasn't listening. And ultimately, Aaron, full hand on heart, it's really what led us to, you know, going our separate ways because I didn't know how to be, the truth of who I was as a woman inside of that marriage. 
that makes sense? Mm. I wasn't being my true tal self because I, I, I ultimately, it's not what I wanted. Mm. So how can you navigate a relationship, marriage or not? You know, you've been in partnerships before. How can you navigate a relationship if you're not being truthful to yourself first? Mm. Yeah, and then you feel like you lose yourself in the totally. relationship. It's kind of like Beyonce said, if I lose myself, yeah. I lose it. That's oh. a good song. <laughs> right? It's like you can literally lose yourself in a relationship. And that's a massive fear of mine as well. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to lose who I am yeah. with someone. And that, that's how I asked you that question because oftentimes it's outside influences or the fear, right? The fear of loss. Yeah. So what was it for you? Was it the fact that you wanted, you know, to be married and like have your friends show up and all that stuff? Or was it more like, I don't want to lose this guy. I want to lock him down. Yeah. What was it for you? Yeah. I think now upon reflection, I can notice that I definitely had a marriage where I was, you know, with a partner that really, really wanted to keep me, um, you know, to him. You know, we were, I don't talk about this often, but we were 12 years apart. So he had 12 years on me. He was much older than me. And he had his own wisdom that he carried. You know, I always say age is just a number, but the more you live, the more you learn. And so I think on his perspective, it was like, I need to keep Tal in this container with me. And I was the opposite. I was like, I just want to, I just want to be free. I just, I just need it. I felt suffocated. And so I think ultimately the loss for me was completely losing myself. But I want to speak on the polar. I want to speak on the opposite end of that, Erin. There's also a deep sense of I don't want to lose myself in a relationship. So let me keep myself safe and never be in a relationship. <laughs> yep. Hundred <laughs> percent. And so this is why, I, and I think this is a big piece for all of us. Like. You have to do the damn thing. I don't feel like I, I'm 30 now and I don't feel like I would ever change any part of my journey. I'm really at peace with it. I have my whole life ahead of me. And I can safely say now, and I'm sure you'll take me here, like I, out of that marriage, I swear, I didn't have any traumas to men, but I was like, I do not want to date. I don't want to be in a relationship for a minute. I really wanted to come back to myself and, and I was myself in it, but I obviously lost myself along the way and yet understood like we really do need to be on our own for a minute to be okay to be in a relationship. And so I find it interesting because I really don't think I would be, it's not about the outward success. I don't think I would be happy with who I am today if I wasn't in that container. You know, I wouldn't have attracted Josh, I wouldn't be with who I am now if I didn't go through all of that. And what's so wild is about 10 months on from my divorce, um, I lived here with my partner at the time, as I spoke about earlier. I had to go through, it almost felt like alternate timelines. Like I was here in Bali, he had left, we had a life here. And then everywhere and I went, it, it reminds you of that. And so it doesn't matter whether you're in Bali or wherever you are in the world. It's like, you have to heal that part. You have to heal that time. Um, And I remember I moved to Uluwatu, which is, you know, um, a little further out from where we all live here in Bali, in Chenggu, for three months. And I lowered everything, Erin, in the way in which was 
um, value field to me. I lived under my means. I took my two dogs. I lived super cheaply. I My business kind of really um, paused and yet... It, it almost increased, which is something we can talk about. The, the less I was doing, the more life kind of took care of me. It's an interesting thought. Mm. The less I was doing, the more yep. life took care of me. And I had came back to Chenggu and I, um, it was the start of last year. I was at a mutual friend's birthday party and uh, I met my now partner. And it has been... If you don't, if you're always, if we're in a relationship and I say, Aaron is always the problem. Aaron's the reason it needs to change. You need to do it. And I don't look at myself. If I'm coming out of that relationship, I'm going to attract the same situation that I just had. And in the time I spent on my own, I understood, Tal, where, where do you need to change? Where do you need to change? Where do you need to shift all the things that you want? And I'm very grateful that I did that because I truly believe now that the relationship I now have is, it could, it's, it's yin and yang. And as a good friend, you know, you've experienced me in both of my containers. Yeah. So I'm really, you know, it's interesting, Erin, I never gave a lot of thought to relationships in general, but it's definitely been the biggest thing um, in the last eight years of my life that I've embodied and shifted and gone through and fallen flat on and now that I'm in something that I deeply like love I'm really passionate about people understanding this dance this is exactly why I wanted to bring you on because I <laughs> knew that you bring the value for people because <laughs> I'm thinking right now there's women watching and listening to this and they're they're seeing themselves in you like they're on a similar path you know they keep attracting the same type of person with a different face and a different name yep <laughs> and it and it's a real thing you know because we then project to you guys we say we want better we we need better like this is what i came from and then we're in a new container and the same vicious things are playing out and if we're not careful as the feminine we want to blame when really it's 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 the same vice versa it's our work to do it starts with us yep um, and I know that can be really, you know, I've got, it can be really triggering for a lot of women. I've been that girl, you know, before, between my container of my ex-husband and I, I briefly dated somebody here in Bali and I can tell you hand on heart, I played out a very similar cycle of my marriage mm. and I saw it then I was like, nope, not going here, you know? And it, so it really, I come back again into the stillness and that's, comes from me where, you know, like I have a lot of energy. I, I, I love people a lot. It was a real, it was a real piece of work for me to ground and get still. And I see now, even this conversation makes me very aware of like what I value a lot in my life. And I value relationships a lot in my life. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> and you're really good at it too. You're really good at it. And um, that's actually probably why we align so much because yeah. we have that same value, right? Yeah. Like caring for people. Totally. Mm. So much so that I've, you know, been in a position where I, I, I am trying to please the other person more than myself. But the work I've now done in the last year, I was just saying this to you the other day, is like I've never been happier with the friendships the romantic partnership and my business partnerships in my life than I am today. Mm. 
and I'm sure that's going to grow. Mm. I'm sure I'll, I'll fail forward again in many different ways, but I think we learn a lot from the relationships we hold and they take invested interest. It takes work. Mm. Absolutely. Nurturing, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, there's women watching and you're all about women and female empowerment, yeah. which I love. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, so you had the awareness to stop like, Hey, hang on a minute. I just had finished with my husband. Now I've got this guy. I'm doing the same thing. All right, I need to stop and I need to work on myself. Yeah. You had that awareness, yeah. but there's a lot of women out there, a lot of men too, like myself included before. Like I didn't have that awareness yeah. to stop and be like, hang on a minute. The same thing has happened here as it did the last one, last person, last person. Yeah. So how was it, what cult, What was the thing that made you become aware of your patterns? Yeah, such a beautiful question. Radical responsibility to myself. Mm. Like, understanding and like taking the hits Aaron of like am I allowed to swear yeah I fucked up Mm. whoa I fucked up big time shoot I didn't do anything that I want to hold myself to a standard of doing and you're so right there's so many more of us it doesn't matter whether you're an entrepreneur there's so many more of us that like we come out of relationships and it's like what do we do now what which way do we go how do we learn this And I honestly think that it comes from a sense of like being truthful to yourself. You have to be. That's the only, I truly believe that's the secret source to life. If you can be honest with yourself and call yourself out on your shit, it's like the hidden gems live between the space of that. Um, So to answer your question, being honest with myself. And it's beautiful now. I realize that like a lot of that is mirrored back to me in my friendships, my relationships is that it's a deep sense of authenticity and honesty. I just want to have this moment with you. I, you know, I truly believe if we want the things that we say we want, it starts with us. So for my women, it's like, if you're looking for your beloved, if you're looking for a beautiful masculine male to do life with, You have to take a look at who are you being to hold that man. Mm. Amen. (laughs) It's, you know, and and it's, yeah, as a female having this conversation with you right now, it can, it can also be triggering for women to hear because I remember hearing this and being like, I was so triggered. (laughs) Like he, he or she doesn't like vouch for women at all. What's happening? <laughs> and it's not not vouching for women because let me tell you, it's the same for men. If you want a female that embodies everything that you're looking for, you best believe you better ask yourself if you're being that. And I saw that as room to go, wow, this is an, ap- this is an opportunity for me to become the version of me that I want to become. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So true. And what about the trust, the the trust aspect? Like if you don't trust yourself, what what is causing that? I think it can come a lot from past wounds, like uh-huh. past hurts and traumas, yeah. you know. Um, I think everything that still lives there is because it's been there before. Mm. So a lot for me personally, I can't speak for everyone, but the distrust of myself came from where I was – I felt there wasn't a sense of trust in the past from somebody else. Mm. Could have been from my dad, could have been from my best friend, could have been from a business partner. Um, And on the reverse of that, not trusting myself. 
And I think a lot of this trust piece that we all struggle with as humans today is that we're not leaning into where we can trust ourselves a little bit more. And that's what I was saying to you, Erin, about listening to what's up here and just getting still to try to hear it. You know, if, if somebody says to me today, um, you know, oh, you know, Tal, like I believe that like every woman kind of needs to have a male that's like stern and da-da-da-da-da, whatever. I'm going to say, well, I don't believe that to be true for me. I don't believe that to be true for me. And it's like vocalizing that so that you can hear it and be like, I don't believe that to be true for me. But in the past, I did. So it's a, it's a trust piece. Again, everything's a dance, <laughs> which is so, you know, the irony because dancing is just so, so beautiful, but it's a real dance of actually the mind. I don't know how we work ultimately on trust other than just recognizing that it's something that we need to do every single day. It's a skill. It's an actual skill. Being in tune with yourself. Yeah. And yeah. understanding yourself. Yeah. What makes you tick. Yeah. What? And and surrendering to like there's no there's no finish line. Like, okay, after my marriage, okay, I need I, I'm aware that I need to become parts of myself that are not who I am right now. But if I think that I get there and then there's the finish line, I'm gonna tell myself now I'm done. I get to stop. But like everything in life, it's a continuation. It's the journey. Mm. So it's, it's for those of, you know, that you guys that are listening, it's, it's my greatest advice that you give is like learning to really dance with trusting yourself and calling yourself out where, you know, it's the inner, it's the inner voice. It's like, this doesn't feel true to me and trusting it and then acting on it. Yeah, so as you're saying this, I'm thinking about a lot of things in my own life that where I've not trusted and it's been because of other people's voices being stronger than my own. The influence. Yeah, it's the influences. Like, oh, I, I, I know I should do this thing, but this person's saying I should do that and they have like they have way more influence than me. Mm -hmm. They've 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 had success in this area. I haven't yet. So why am I listening to myself over this person? Totally. And then you hold resentment a little bit. I'm resentful to the fact that I listened. It's, you know, everything, we all should take everything with a grain of salt because ultimately what works for you in one way, Erin, may not work for me, right? But there is the, the bigger picture at play is still love. If you can return to love, if you can be in a space of building that love with yourself, I truly, truly believe that we won't hold, we won't be seeking outside of ourselves. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We seek so much. We seek answers, you know, listening to people, whatever. And the most liberating thing I think in these last 12 months I've really come into is like really understanding I don't always need to be searching outside of myself. The things that I hold, as cliche as it sounds, the answers that we seek live in here. <laughs> it's so easy to say right? yeah like, my god <laughs> i mean as we're talking now one of my one of my close friends she's uh going through a breakup mm. and she's having a really hard time with uh you know focusing on her mission right like you're on your mission right now right like you're you're crushing it in your life um but she's having a hard time like getting the the drive and the hunger to focus on her mission because right now she's she's openly admitted to this. She's putting the guy as number one. Yeah. 
And this is something that I also instruct women not to do. Yeah. <laughs> but well, it's hard to get that hunger back and the energy for life when you're super depressed and going for a breakup yeah and putting all your eggs in one basket like when we put all of our energy our life force our whatever into our relationship what happens to every other area of our life Mm. and it's so beautiful and thanks for sharing that because it's such a, a moment for all of us to be like we need to spread it even and i don't mean in a a burnt out way i mean if you can feel that you're in like an 80-20 energy or a 90-10 energy of, oh my gosh, I'm giving so much to my relationship and like my business is like over here. It's because you're choosing to do that, right? Um, and equally for women and men, don't give every, don't give your power away to your partner, to the men, especially when you're going through breakups. Once you're in a breakup and you're navigating, coming back and being on your own, you start to realize oh, I'm, I understand that I, I gave all of my energy to this container. So again, it's that radical responsibility of like, for her, as an example, how do I come back to my mission from, a, from my total life force for it feeling good, not feeling depleted and depressed and burnt out? Because, you know, depression is a real thing, Erin. Mm. It's a real thing. How many times in your life where life is kind of fine and then like, you have a day, you get up and you're just like, I don't want to do the thing today. I don't want to do it. Yep. And, I, you know, I would like to think I'm here to be able to have the most honest conversation with you. I would consider myself quite a joyous human. And that's not just, I had a friend ask me the other day, what's your philosophy to happiness? Hmm. Good question. My brain was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> No one's asked that. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure many people don't get asked that. And I, I think it's a conscious choice of recognizing that we are, all of us, we have that joy that lives inside of us, but it's the external things, it's life that happens that takes us into that state. And so I truly, truly believe that if we can nav- navigate and balance all things in our life in a wholesome way, then we're not feeling like we're overly compensating. And it helps when you're going through a breakup. Say in two to 10 years time from now, Aaron, with the beautiful man that I'm with today and it goes left of field. What I know and that I've learned, I love him dearly, but I'll never fully, fully always give 100% of myself in just that container. I want to empower him to be like, we're in love, we're in this. We nurture each other because it's a real thing, right? You nurture the relationship. And yet what else do you have going for you that keeps you ticking? I truly believe those are the relationships that work out the most. Mm. So you've had, a, you've, you've had a massive transformation because you've attracted Josh. And let's <laughs> talk about Josh real quick. What a guy. What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> Josh, by the way, is her current partner. And... Um, I, f- I see a lot of myself in him, actually. Totally. That's why I'm like, yeah, this is a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Feed that love to yourself. <laughs> but it's true, you know, as a friend that's been friends with you for three years, you know, you met Josh four or five months ago now. Yeah. And I, you, you both, we were at a cafe, you both were just talking and I was having this outwardly experience of like, what beautiful men, mm. you know, and what a guy. Mm. Which received that. Yeah, I received that. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is a body thing. You're like, I received. Yeah, no. Sometimes I sound so woo-woo. I've learned now. I'm like, I sound so woo-woo. And then I'm also like, I don't know how to shift that. So <laughs> whoever it lands on, it lands. And if yeah. it doesn't, it's like, she's in the clouds. Yeah. <laughs> it is a Bali thing. It is, totally. Yeah. So you had to change who you were to attract different. Correct. Yeah. And that's that's it, right? Like you, 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 Josh is completely different from your ex-husband. Totally. Right? In a lot of ways. In so many ways. And the only way you could have done that is by you changing who you are. And that's the work that unfortunately most people don't want to do. In order to have different, you need to do and be different. And you just said it. Unfortunately, it's the work most people, we don't want to do. It's hard work. Mm. It's challenging work. It's like takes a mirror up to your triggers every single day. But if you're attached to, you spoke about your beautiful friend, Erin, about the mission. And, you know, even to those of you that are listening, it's like, well, what do you mean the mission? Like, what does even that mean? The mission is like, if you want to live a fulfilling life and you want to take that power in knowing that only you are in the driver's seat, then you have to be willing to do the work that's not always going to be pretty. And to me, I care and value that way more than going through the motions. Mm. I want to I prioritize that. It's a priority. Yeah, so as you're saying that, I'm thinking, what was the, one of the biggest things that you had to work on about yourself that was attracting the men that you didn't want? <laughs> we go in there. <laughs> Can I leave? <laughs> <laughs> um, I wasn't being honest with my word. Mm. Yeah. And I don't mean with my words. I wasn't being honest with my words, my actions. I was saying, I was, it was a projection. I was saying, oh, I want this in a man. Somebody that's trusting, somebody that like is nurturing, somebody that is kind to this... And realized, Tal, you're not embodying those qualities at all. And I think even on an intimate level, if I could go there too, it was also that. Like not not taking myself seriously enough in the sense, and I know this is going to resonate with so many women. I wasn't appreciating my worth enough. So I had a story and identity, Erin, where it was like, Tal, the goofball, like, it's fine. You know, everything's frolicky. And like, if you're in a container with a man, like they, they won't take you very seriously. So then if you're treated a certain way, you deserve it. What a bloody story. What, mm. what, what, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so acknowledging that like, there was trauma there. There was a lot of trauma there of like, why don't I think I'm worthy? Or why don't I think I'm somebody that, um, I've just come from this container. I've been married. Obviously, this man thought highly of me to hold me in that way. What is it that I was doing that was like, I, I didn't feel worthy of that? And it was self-sabotage. It was self-sabotage at literally its finest in every level, in an intimate level, in a communication level, on every single level. And now I get, I've never wanted anything more than to build something, to build a life with somebody. Mm. Maybe we don't, maybe not all people value that. I value that. I value building a life with somebody. And I had to recognize if I'm going to be appreciated, I would say as like the flower that I am or that we all are, 
then I need to be able to treat myself more kindly, need to give myself grace. I need to like nurture my heart more and my spirit more. Did that answer that? Yeah. So it's like you just basically increased your self-worth. Totally. And self-esteem. Yeah. And that doesn't, Erin, look like get in a million courses or whatever. (laughs) It looks like when I wake up in the morning and I look in the mirror, I can say, you're so loved, Tal. You're beautiful. You have everything that you need. Mm. Go about your day. And that's a practice. Mm. How many times have you looked in the mirror? Be like, no, I'm not going to be nice to you today. It's, it's an unconscious thought. It takes a certain consciousness to stop and go and I encourage everyone that's listening to this every morning for the next 30 days. I love you. You being the mirror. Yeah. I love you. You're worthy. Go about your day. Yeah. I think self-worth is such a big piece to the things that we want in this life. 100%. Like, absolutely. And that, I can attest to that to myself. I went through that too. You know, I broke up my last girlfriend and then I attracted another partner and she was completely different, like in a good way, you know? And it was because of, like, if you put them both together, you'd be like, they're completely different people. Yeah. And it's because I increased my self-worth ultimately is what happened by doing what you just said. Totally. Like like Emil did, uh, he told me an exercise very similar to that. He's like, write down three things you love about yourself every day for 30 days, morning and night. At the end of the 30 days, you have 180 things you love about yourself. And that, just that one exercise, like, made me realize my own value as a person. Totally. Because I'm putting it over there. Like, oh, if they see, if they approve of my value, then that means I'm worth it. Yes. And that's, that's why I was wanting to, oh, no, please don't leave. <laughs> Can I say, too, I really, for those that are listening, it's such a, it's, I think we live in a world where it's, in some way, it's easier for women to do but it's so amazing to hear the masculine do this because more men also need to do this work of like, we say, oh, it's the feminine work. No, it's not. Why is it not okay for a male to be able every day to say, to write three things that you're in gratitude for about yourself? Mm. It's such good work. Yeah. And it's, you see it, I see it a lot. Well, in Bali, for example, people complain about dating in Bali and stuff and it's you a know, real thing. Guys are like super needy. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, that the root cause of that is like they're placing all their all of their worth in the approval of the woman. If she approves of me, I'm worth it. Right? Totally. So it's like, oh, when, when are you free? Like I told you, she's, she's like, she's busy today. Oh, are you free tomorrow? Like it's like, <laughs> like so needy. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you as a woman, that is not <laughs> what we want no. at all. Yeah. And, it, and it, it's the same with women. Mm. If we're always hanging onto the edge of our seat on our phones, waiting for you guys to message us or mm. whatever, it's, it's, we can sense it. The other person can sense it. It's you filling your own cup of going, I can love somebody and yet I don't need to find myself love in them. Mm. How can we truly, truly Aaron be loved if we don't love ourselves first? Yeah. And that is the biggest practice That'll never go away. Yeah. And it's funny, as, as you're saying that as well, I'm thinking about all the women that post all these motivational quotes on Instagram. That ain't the work, girls. It's, it's not. <laughs> and this is, yeah, I want to bring it full circle because it's something that I'm passionate about that I think is important that you have brought to the forefront. Just being around Josh and I and, and our friends that we have today, it's understanding that you have to then embody this daily. So 
yes, this social media world we live in, it's easy to put up a quote and like read it and like, yes, get behind it. And then 50 women post it like, you know, here, here, I totally get it. And yet it's also recognizing that if you know that to be true, because we all do, we read something, we're like, of course that's true. Who, who, who are you then being every single day in your relationships to then embody that? Outside of relationships that are romantic, Erin, I'd like to think every time I see you as a friend, I'd like to think that I'm feeling love to you so that you receive it equally. And I believe that that is truly how the self-love piece works. If I want to pour more love into myself, I'm going to give that love. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because you can't give from a, you can't uh, pour from an empty cup, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's, that's literally the analogy. That's why I like the, the cup, the cup analogy is like, you can't pour from an empty cup. Totally. You've got to, Got to fill your cup up first. And so, there are going to be days, weeks, months, truth be told, that you don't want to do it. Mm. You know, when you get in that place, you're like, I don't, I don't want to fill other people's cups. Mm. In my experience, though, I've recognized by doing that is when your cup starts to feel even more full. When it is received back to you, you know, thanks, Aaron, for just like making me feel great today. You're going to go, oh, that's that feels really good to me, and not because you're trying to do it, but just because you're you're being it, you're just doing it. Mm. So I want to talk about one thing you touched on earlier was your your business. Like we're, we're transitioning a little bit. So you said <laughs> when you were doing less, you were actually having more success in your business. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting concept because, I mean, myself included, we're like always hustling, we're working so hard. So what, what is that? Yeah. What, what, what happened there? Yeah. <clears throat> I think we're like in a time right now where there is so many opportunities available that it's really easy to jump on anything and then quick fix and then want instant money, instant success, instant my this did well, my that, whatever. So that's, this is where we are now. In my personal experience, what it was for me, I identified success with working really hard. And so even when I started my business, Erin, for that first year, I made a lot of good money. I impact and put the money aside. I've always understood this on a deep level. Money is just the byproduct of the impact that you're making, right? And, not, and, and we don't all understand that, you know, ultimately when we start business. But I think that is the secret sauce. When you're impacting more, the bank account is going to be more full. For me, it was like, do more, be on more, da 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 wear all the hats. And then the money was coming in, but ultimately I got burnt out. I was tired. And so none of the money that I made felt good. It didn't feel good. It's the typical thing that we know. You could be a millionaire. You could have so much money in the bank, but it's sometimes it's those people that you meet that are the most alone, that are most like empty, and so in the first year of my business, I understood that like, I don't really care about the money. If it's, if my state is like, feel good, if it feels like this, I need to change it. So from there, I started to write, this could sound really simple. It's not as so simple, but I started to write the narrative of like, the less that I do, the more money I make. And when I say the less that I do, I don't mean all hands off, don't do anything, like manifestation, like, you know, abundance gonna fall in your wallet. I meant I'm more intentional with how I'm working. Meaning if I work three hours a day, which I'm full disclaimer, I work three hours a day. I now work three hours a day. That's the dream. I, 
Yeah. And the dream I always wanted. Mm. Do less, but be more intentional with your time and your bank account will fill up because it's a real thing. How many times, Erin, have you felt stressed and anxious and out of your body because you're thinking about your bank account? Oh, so much. So many times. And your bank account results to your future. Mm. So it does the future story. Yep. What does my future look like? Oh my God, that means I've got to do more because then I need this because I want it for that. And, and your body goes into shutdown. Yep. So a tool if, that I can share that we could put into practice was I sat with my week. What does my day look like? From seven till nine, I'm in full devotion to myself. And you know this, you've been to our house. Like 7 to 9 a.m. 7 to 9 a.m., excuse yeah. me. Yeah, 7 to 9 a.m., full devotion. I get up, without a doubt, I never miss my journaling. I never miss my sound balls. I never miss my harpe, which is just like a medicine which grounds me. And I never miss reading, even if it's a chapter. I'm not online. I'm not on social media. I'm not in business chats. Done. From 9 till 10.30, I'm at the gym. At 10.30, we're well into the day. It's like mid-morning, right? But I tell myself, regardless of, I have a business that's global. So I have so many different time zones in my business. But if I then, my day, then I come back, I shower, I feel my body. From one till four, I'm working. For those three hours, I get so much work done because I want to work. You know that feeling where like, we have to work? Even if you have a business online or you're an entrepreneur, for those of you that, uh, you know, maybe your own boss or for those of you that work your nine to five, obviously it's going to be different if you have a nine to five schedule. But if we can understand the concept of doing less and being more intentional with our time, your bank account, because you're creating that belief, your bank account starts to increase. People feel your energy exchange. So when I'm in my business with my women or whatever, they can feel that I want to be working. I'm in it rather than doing it from lack or scarcity. 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 (laughs) Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. Scarcity. (laughs) Um, I'm an Australian and we say words really weird. (laughs) You know this by now for my Aussies. (laughs) Um, So... To answer your question, the last nine to 10 months, I don't teeter from that. I have just come back from traveling as well. And that was a challenging time because the polarity was like in total enjoyment. It was total travel, bliss, do the things we do for work so we can then enjoy our lives, right? But I never teeter from at least three hours of work a day and everyone's different. I mean, who am I to sit here and be like, you know, Tal, if you wanted to make, you know, eight figures, you know, you're going to have to increase your workload. But right now, Erin, I reverse engineered. What makes me feel good? What does my home life look like? How do I feel on a daily? And the money that's coming into my bank account and the impact I'm making. If those are whole, I don't mind slowing down a little bit and then being on the journey so that it's an actual journey rather than like reaching the, you know, the six, seven, eight figures, doing it in a year and like, you know, going all out and then December hits and it's like, I'm exhausted. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. So finding that daily, weekly, monthly, and then becomes your new habit of less work, more intentional time. And of course, then you have to have the belief that then the bank account can increase from there. Mm. For me, that's work works for me. Yeah. So you, you have a very 
structured schedule which focuses on yourself first. Correct. And then that gives you the juice. Because if you did it the other way around, let's say you started, you woke up, roll out of bed on your computer. Mm-hmm. How would you, how would that work? Terrible. And I've been that girl. I've been that girl longer than I've been in this new practice. And I always felt here, there and everywhere. I always felt like I was doing so much. Don't get me wrong. I was working, but I always felt Aaron out of body. My intention now, the way I view success or fulfillment is fill myself up first and everything that comes from that will flow. And that took a minute. I'm 30 years old. That took a decade to get. Mm. That's how I feel too. And it's interesting you say that because I've, I've been recently listening to Will Smith's book and I know you have too. You've Just finished it. it. Just finished it. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. What amazing book. Holy wow. But in, in the book, he talks about um, everything is about feelings. Like literally when people say, I don't care about feelings, that's how they feel about feelings. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so literally everything in our life is about how we feel that's that's how we experience life is how we feel and so for for example people get burnt out in business because they're optimizing for the wrong thing right Mm -hmm. and i've experienced that too like recently actually like two months ago i was like oh fuck you know before the before i like picked up the podcast again i was just like oh you know like what just burn out because I'm doing things for the wrong thing. I'm trusting myself, yep. all these things we spoke about today. Yep. And so, yeah, it's like, how do I want to feel on a daily basis? Yeah. How do I want to feel in my business? Yeah. And I, that, I've never asked myself that question. How do I want to feel? How do I want to feel doing this thing? How do I want to feel? Yeah. It's, and, it's profound. Yeah. And we, in society teaches us because feeling, Aaron, comes from what? It can also come with associating pain. Mm. so it's that real out of sight out of mind if I don't feel it's easier Mm. it's not true it's never going to be true and you're like Will speaks about it so we're talking about a guy I mean look what he's done with his life and and you're reading his book also look where he describes it as his his downfalls right where he's had to reshift everything I truly believe anyone that's really though come full circle and really understood it they'll always say it's because I understood the power of feeling. Mm. Yep. It's, I want to, I'd like to say it's a gift. We're human. We're meant to feel. We're not robots. And Lord forbid, you know, the world is going where it is, right? So it's like, even that to have a gift of like, gosh, damn, what a gift to be alive and to be human. So if we can then implement that in our daily practices of then, the fixation of the mission, the work, the money, the, this is where I'm going. You don't have to remove that. You just have to come back to like, how do I want to feel in all of that? And I think it's, it's those of us, those that you've listened to today, you might come away and be like, wow, I can shift this whole thing. If we can elevate that of like how we're all feeling on a daily and we all each individually have our missions, don't you think we will have a world full of humans that just feels a little lighter? Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, because optimizing for how you feel is everything. Totally. That's why some people ask me, like, why do you spend, like, three hours at the gym? Because like, <laughs> I, do, I do my jiu-jitsu and then I go in the yeah. sauna. It's like, because I feel good. Totally. <laughs> yeah, but you need to, make, you need to be back, back working. Like, you start your day late. You start your day at 1 p.m. You start work at 1 p.m. What's, what, were you crazy? Yeah. You it's know? frowned upon. <laughs> yeah. But can I tell you, and, you know, those of you that know, 
or in your in your life don't you feel Erin that you've been able to create because I've known you for three years and that's been your ritual and it's what makes you feel good and it's what's kept you in it how many of us whether you're an entrepreneur whether you work whatever like you get taken out of the game and then all of a sudden you don't you're not in your mission anymore you've fallen so far away from the thing that gave you purpose and joy you want to believe that it's I'm not meant for this I'm not supposed to do this it didn't work for me Sorry to burst your bubble. That's actually not true. It's because you didn't take the time to understand the thing that you wanted, how you wanted to do it. How did it feel? It's a journey. You got to be in it for the long haul. So if you're in it for the long haul and you're 50, if you're operating the way that you are now and you're burnt out and you're tired, it doesn't matter how much money you're making. I promise you. I had that exact experience uh, three months ago. So I started working with one of my friends here and we were doing more calls. So we were doing coaching business and we'd have more calls, right? And we're working with America. So literally I'd stopped jujitsu for a month and I'd stopped going to the gym because we had so many calls and that coincided with the time that I'd normally go and do those, those things. Yeah. And I just noticed myself becoming more and more depressed yep. because I wasn't doing the thing that gave me fire, like filled my cup up. Yeah. So I was literally starting every day with an empty cup. And it's just like, I just, again, that's how you get burnt out. And totally. I got burnt out. And that's why I had that whole experience. Because I just forgot what, I, what gave me the juice for life. Yeah, and you you've know? been really open about it. Like, yeah. you, it sent you in a spiral a little bit. Yeah. Once you came back to the things that made you feel good, that if you, we can see them in a, in a beautiful way, not in a hustle way, like the non-negotiables that we need, you start to come back to yourself again. You don't feel out of body. Mm. You don't feel everywhere. Oh, it's such a good, even just talking to you about it. And we have both, I've been that opposite person yeah. for way longer than I've been the way I'm doing it now. Mm. Yeah. And what, what, uh, can you do things on your terms, how you want to do it? Or do you have to follow someone else's way of doing it? Can you do life how you want to do it? I'd like to think the short answer is yes. I'm going to say yes, but I really is dependent on your situation, i.e. Aaron, if you work for somebody else, you have a boss, you're not always going to feel like you're in the driver's seat to doing things the way you want to do it. And that's okay. You know, that's for most, that's, that's that part that you might chose. So my encouragement would then be find what's inside of that, that feels like you can do things on your terms, meaning how are you operating? is what I think you can do things on your own terms, right? In my experience, I am my own boss. I run my own business and I can do things on my own terms and on my own timeline daily. So I think the answer is yes, I, I really do. And if it's not for you right now, ask yourself where you get to shift it. Again, it comes back to this piece we just said earlier. When we give our power away, when we're looking for everything outside of ourselves, we start to adopt the routines that are working for other people, the whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't feel good to you. It's, it, it doesn't matter what you do, no matter how many hours you're training that new program or doing that business call, it's not going to feel right. And I come back to this is how you build trust with yourself. Feeling, feeling, in society, I feel like a lot of people are trained to numb their feelings. Yes. So as we're talking, we're telling people to feel. Yes. And for me, it's still a practice. I'm Good pickup. It's still a practice, <laughs> right? Because my family, I've come from a family that 
we don't talk about feelings. I haven't, I haven't, I can't recall a conversation where we've spoken about how we feel about yeah. things. And so I just learned to be numb. Yeah. How do you, like, how do you feel about business? Like, okay. it's not even a thought. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think about it. Yeah. It's like Will Smith at the time, he said, you know, his feelings is like last, you know, before he went through this phase. Because it's, how do you, do you care about how I feel? Was what his daughter was asking him, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. And he's like, I just do it. I don't, I don't feel feelings. And you know, the narrative is becoming a society is this. We don't have time to feel. Mm. Yeah. So then let's unpeel that time. If we don't have time to feel, then how are we viewing our time that we enjoy, that we love, right? If we don't have time to feel, then in actual fact, what are we doing? <laughs> And, and much like you, same, you know, I'm very grateful, you know, my mum's she should be cuddly bear, but, you know, same with my dad, Italian stir man, moved to Australia, like <laughs> with nothing to his name, like, built his business and like, I don't, I don't have time to feel. I'm, I'm going, I'm here. And in actual fact, those can be our teachers. Not everyone, you might be listening to this right now and you might not value feeling. And somewhere along the way, though, as humans, you're always going to have to find yourself. You're going to come up in some area of your life and it's not going the way that you wanted it to go. And I think that secret source lives in, I need to feel this. I need to feel this. And then you start to respect it for every area of your life. Mm. But 100%, Aaron, we live in a world that I don't have time to feel. So what do we do with that? We have more conversations like this in hopes that people can feel why feeling is so important. Mm. Those of us that have embodied it. You know, um, one of the things that my last relationship, she, she made me aware of was that I don't feel my negative emotions. I was like, wow, that was a major thing. I never, cause he's like you said, like relationships is your best teacher. Totally. Right? So, I could have read all the books. I would never known that about myself because that's her perception of me and she knows me very well. And I started thinking about it because if someone perceives something in you, then, then that, if, if you're defensive, like if I got, I got defensive, I was like, hang on a minute, I'm getting defensive here. That means there's something here. Yes. Because it's triggering something in me totally. that's putting up my defenses. Totally. Right? And so I started looking at it and I was like, yeah, you're right. Like I will watch my videos back and I'm, I'm just always showing positive emotions. <laughs> and it's like, when I watch that in other people, yeah. that actually puts up my- uh, Your guard. My, uh, what's it? The trust radar. It's like, yes. hang on a minute, I don't really trust this person. Totally. They're always fucking happy. There's no way this person can always be fucking happy. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been that girl. Yeah. I've been that girl like, what, 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 is, she, what is she on? Yeah. And, and it is the, it's the willingness to feel the negative shit. Mm. You know, in the spiritual world, which is not even a world, it's one world, but it's the shadow work. Mm. It's feeling the dark yeah. equally as the light, being the dark equally as being the light. Mm. It is triggering, isn't yeah. it? It's like, I'm not, I'm not angry. Why is he so aggressive? I'm not aggressive. I'm super calm. <laughs> and you know, it's when you say, when we say relationship is your biggest teacher, whatever you see is because it's a mirror and a reflection of you, mm. which is really hard to hear. Yes. How many times have you been in a situation where you see in your partner, you're like, what in the actual F? Mm. To accept and go, wow, that's a reflection of me. 
Yeah. It's hard. It's so easy to just blame. Totally. It's like, you're being this. You made me feel you, you, you. <laughs> Until. <laughs> and, I, and this is why I say I think there is real power in relationships, friendships from it that don't work out, there's real power in them not working out because you're forced to be back on your own. Mm. And then you're forced to not blame anyone. Mm. So when you're not blaming anyone and you have to look within, that's where the work starts. Mm. It's good work. Yeah, it is. It's fun. Well, it's not fun. but <laughs> It's not fun. It's it fun. can be fun. Yeah. It's fun when you have the realisation that will help you get past yeah. whatever you were struggling with before. Yeah. You know, like the self-worth stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you've been doing plant medicine. <laughs> And I like to talk about that. It's the first time I openly spoke about plant medicine. Yeah. I think it's great. What, what's been your experience? Yeah. Thank you so much, by the way. Just like such an open conversation. We spoke about so many different things. Mm. And um, I think they're all really relevant. Mm. We want to separate them at the best of times. And they're not. They're mm. all one, you yes. know. So my journey with plant medicine um, I want to preface by saying this first and foremost, it is a world and it is a, it is medicine that I even judged before I went this way, because I would hear much like a forum like this, I would hear different things and I, I critiqued it. The, the old tale of me is like medicine, plant medicine, like, you know, just do the goddamn thing. Like how does medicine like activate you in a different way? And if I could be really truthful with you around my own journey, it called me, Erin. And I know that might sound a little woo-woo to some, but I, um, as I mentioned before, Josh and I um, decided to travel at the end of last year. So we did Europe, Mexico, and the US. And that's a conversation in itself around COVID and this pandemic right now and traveling again. Traveling is one of my highest values. I love seeing the world and experiencing the world. And at the time we chose to leave, it felt a little restrictive. It felt like there was rules on us that we couldn't, you know, we navigated our ways and we journeyed. And I was in Portugal at the time and I went through what I would like to call a, um, it's like everything in my life and every one of you have experienced this. It's like all the feelings, all the hard feelings I experienced in one night. For whatever reason, I don't know, like a lot of women say that it's a full moon or whatever, like for whatever reason, it was one night errand and I just felt the weight of everything I had gone through collapse on me. And, um, you know, Joshua, it was like two days where I actually couldn't get out of bed. Whoa. Yeah, it was real heavy. And, and, I, and I remember going for a walk by the peninsula and asking myself, it's not that I never want to be here again because this is what it means to be human. But I've done things in the past that have helped this and it's found my way back and then I've been okay again. And I remember having a conversation with myself going, I don't want to do what I've done in the past. I want to do something different. And I don't know how to describe this, but for whatever reason, I saw myself sitting in ceremony. I was on the grass, totally in white, and I just saw myself sitting there. And I knew, okay, I, I have to be open to sitting with plant medicine. 
because I wasn't open. I'd like to think I'm a quite an open-minded spiritual being. I'm not zero to 100, but I never saw myself in the world where, let's be honest, Erin, plant medicine is not only not overly spoken about right now, it slowly but surely is, but it, it doesn't call everyone and it's not readily available to everyone for good reason. So... I know I took a long journey there, but um, three days later I had booked our flights and we were in Mexico. And, oh gosh, my journey with the medicine. I did it. I sat with plant medicine and specifically for you guys to know was ayahuasca, wachuma, two frog medicines that are called Bufo and Combo. And I sat with all of them within the space of eight weeks. So the last two months of our trip, every second week I was doing a medicine. Combo, just to edify to you guys what that is, it's this, it's from the toad and it's a it's a physical purge. It's not a psychedelic and it's not one that is um, of, you know, that. It's an actual purge. It's burnt on your skin and it's 30 minutes of um, what I would like to say years of therapy and medications and whatever could really do in one setting it really gets everything out of your system from the inside out and it's not fun at all talk about pain and talk about going through relate whatever that's the most physical pain i have ever felt in my life and you've seen the photos i looked like a frog (laughs) i turned into a frog josh and i both quite literally turned into a frog and it's because all the blood everything that's moving inside of you everything that needs to come up comes up and it releases. That in itself is the really the least one I want to talk about. It really was ayahuasca and bufo that was game changer for me. A lot of these medicines have been practiced, Erin, for years in much of South America, many areas of Mexico, even in Australia and in the indigenous communities. And it's what our ancestors have been doing long before we knew about medications in a bottle. So the way I describe it is it's a holistic way to root back into nature and to find the things of nature that can heal us. It isn't just a physical healing, it's a mental healing. And I like to describe my particular journey because everyone's journey is different, is when I say I returned home to myself, I really went through a death like a real death of myself, ayahuasca particularly, it's um, a medicine you take throughout the evening into the early mornings. And it's the grandmother medicine of all the medicines. And Erin, she will, it's a, it's a sluggy, green, yucky cup that you take. For some people, they take two to three in a sitting, but you chug it down. It tastes awful. <laughs> but within six to eight hours, it's not something that happens right away. You're in a beautiful setting if you get fortunate enough to do it in the right way. And for six to eight hours, you're journeying and you're going through all of the experiences that have either really traumatized you, that have really had you feel a certain way. My journey with ayahuasca was very, very heavy. It was incredibly deep. I had to go through a lot of stuff. There was a point where the shaman at the time came over and sat with me and had his eyes on me and was just looking, it's just like, just go through it, just breathe, just go through it. Equally, the opposite end of that was Bufo, which they call it the God molecule, which is the enlightenment. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's another medicine in its own right. And 
I experienced, I had done Bufo after I'd done ayahuasca two days after. And all of that, put the medicine aside, Erin, everything that we need to go through that is pain, that is whatever, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. So when you go through that depths, you're also going to see the light. And Bufo for me was really that. I want to describe it to you as this. It's a 30-minute medicine, unlike ayahuasca, that's six to eight hours. And I literally, you smoke this medicine through a pipe and I instantly went back into my body and all I can describe for the next 30 minutes was I turned into a million different fractals and everything that I knew and know lives inside of me, I quite literally became the universe. Powerful. It is powerful. And I'm sure to a lot of peers, I, I know now because I had listened prior, you can't fully understand plant medicine, Erin, unless you've done it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to sit here and be this person like, I'm an advocate for it. Please do it. Everyone did it. But I truly do believe if we want to understand what it means to be just another source of energy in this earthly existence, we need to understand that we really are the universe. We're all parts of the universe. And so my experience as I came into a close with the medicine end of last year, everything that I took so seriously, Erin, if I could put it back to like logistical form, didn't, it didn't feel as heavy anymore. I wasn't taking everything so goddamn seriously. <laughs> and I think that's the real freeing thing of plant medicine. It brings you back to your natural state. It brings you back to as heavy as this might sound for some of you, when all is said and done with your life here, you were here to live it and it, it doesn't need to be taken so seriously. So get up, do the things that you want to do, dance, make fun of yourself, say hi to that person that really needs it. Be a human. It was arguably and has been the greatest experience of my life. And I'm talking to you now three months, well, not three months, where, what are we, February? Not even two months on. And I feel like a different human and yet I've always been this human. So I hope I, I hope I explained it, medicine, what I got from it well enough. Um, I did my own podcast episode on it. It was two hours long because it just, it was just that in itself. But I really do. If you're looking to, to deepen with yourself, I encourage the medicine and to do it with people that you trust in a safe space. Mm. Yeah, I love that the way you explain that because, yeah, I've only done ayahuasca, and that was a journey. You know, it was just a beautiful journey, and I think, yeah, like you said, it's just it brings you back to yourself. Like you said, you feel like a different person, but actually, that's who you are. It's and just have always been, and have always been. It's just revealing that to yourself. Totally. So I think, yeah, because I've always wondered about plant medicine. I was like, why do I was thinking about it? Because I I'd done ayahuasca, and then I was thinking, why do so many people do it? Yeah. And I realized it's it's that it's just bringing you back to who you are, your mm -hmm. essence. Mm -hmm. You know, and the yeah, doing it with people that you trust is so important. So important. I, we had done it. I sat in three circles, Josh and I both. And our first circle, there was 12 of us. And you feel incredibly safe. Don't get me wrong. But you have to surrender mm -hmm. to go, I'm journeying and I'm journeying with other people. And that's not mean you're taking on their energies. But, you know, in our human form, how we have to let go of the ego of being seen and being seen in your mess. Plant medicine will show you 
you're a part of your body, your physical body is your body, but you go elsewhere. So whatever you're moving through, whatever you're journeying through, you have to surrender to being seen in some of your shit. And uh, a lot of us, as I said, ayahuasca was very heavy for me, much a little like you. Bufo, the total opposite. But we had two guys that sat with us in ceremony, Aaron, that journeyed. And I mean, journeyed hard. It was some real intense stuff. And you need to, you need to also be okay in, in recognizing their journey. And I think for me, the medicine taught me, a lot of us, I, hand on heart, I put my hand, my, my hand up right now, judgment it's a real thing how many times in your life have you judged somebody else (laughs) all the time all the time (laughs) even when we don't want to be honest about it and how many times we have felt judged Mm. so there are so many things i got from it but it's like if i want to be infinite love and i want to feel that every day within myself tal then aaron deserves infinite love to feel that no matter what he's gone through And it brought me back to this state of like, we're judging each other so much now more than ever with so much that's going on in the world. We're being so hard on ourselves and we're pointing fingers at others where really we're all just having a human experience. Well said, well said. And it's so freeing and liberating when you're around someone like yourself who removes the judgment, right? And it's just... Because when you remove judgment, all there's left is love, right? That's it. Yeah. So it's, it's such a nice feeling. Again, going back to feelings. <laughs> it's a nice feeling. Yeah, it, it feels good to be around someone who's not judging you. Totally. And just loves you for who you are and accepts you for who you are. Yeah. Not who you, not again, going back to relationships real quick, not the idea of the potential you, but the you right now. Or even the identities of who you've been in the past that people hold you to. Mm. You know, when you've been there too of like, True. well, this is who I've known you to be, you know, dad, this is who I've known you to be. And that's okay. I, I may not be that version of me anymore. And again, it's like removing all of these identities and just coming back to your love, I'm love, let's be of that. Yeah. And then the world's a better place. Totally. So, so you're very passionate about helping women. Yeah. Can you see why? <laughs> I was going to ask you, like, thinking about it, why do you, what are the things that make you really passionate about helping your fellow woman? Yeah. I, um, I want to say, I, you know, I, I notice this even in my own content. I speak to women a lot. And I equally care just as much about men. I really do. But, you you know, the, you go the way that you go. And I think there is a safety I can hand on heart say that, like, I obviously feel safer to facilitate, navigate, grow with women. Why am I passionate about helping women? <sighs> the simple answer, I think I'm so passionate about my own journey. I'm so committed to my own journey that I am so committed to it to being an expander for other people. I'm so passionate and committed to being a part of somebody else's nourishment to let them go on their way. I can't really tell you there was a a moment where I was like, this is what I want to do. It kind of just happened. And I think it comes from who you be, you know, as our beautiful friend Ruby says, you remember Mm. who you be in this moment. Um, but I'm passionate about it mostly more than anything, Erin, because I also equally know what it feels like. Yes, women, but what it feels like as humans to just go down a dark spiral and sometimes not 
acknowledge that it's been by choice. Like we choose it, right? We don't know how to get out of it. I want to support women. I do support women in allowing them to get out of that spiral and have the tools and navigate like first and foremost, like as easy as it sounds, how to be human. And then if, and if Aaron, that transcends into your business, into your programs, into your job, that's mm. a bonus. Yeah. How do you be human? What do you, what do you suggest? <laughs> <laughs> You know, when I smile, it's so funny. When we just pause in a smile, don't you just feel better? Mm. I feel like I smile too much. <laughs> no, and you've, you know, you've, you always, you always are smiling. Wow. Now that you've said that, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you smile all the time. Yeah. Everyone says that about me. I don't like that. I actually hold on, hold on. Work about but this is interesting because now that you've said it, I've never not once looked at you and said, he smiles too much. That's interesting. So why do you hate it so much? Um, because I judge myself. That's why Yeah, I'm judging myself as like, Oh, I'm just presenting this positive person all the time when I'm not always positive. Yeah. That's a judgment. Yeah. I know I'm not always this way. So people perceive me this way all the time. It's not true. Mm. Yeah. But your essence is that you're a joyous guy. Positive, yep. posi the word positive has some really interesting pulls to it. But you are a joyous guy. Well, how, do we, how do we be human? Smile, laugh more, make somebody else laugh more. Say hello to somebody, compliment somebody. It's the things that we've gone so far off track from being human that we need to come back to. And I tell you, if you're around me and we're around each other enough to know, Josh will tell you, at least every day, I'll say hello to somebody. I'll see a local here in Bali and just, just gift them some money if I feel I can. Um, listen to somebody, sit with somebody and just listen to what that to me is being human. Mm. And if we can find that inside of our work, our mission, our job, right? Because I can easily sit here right now to you and say, how do we be human that's relatable to business? I don't care. I don't care if it's relatable to business. I care about how we can be human. It's going to elevate other humans, you know, and it's going to make us better people, better business owners, better employees, better whatever, better parents, better partners because of it. I think it's in the laughter. I think it's in the smile. I think it's also in the pain of being human. Mm. And not being afraid of feeling those negative emotions. You know, like if you're depressed, like just feel it. Like I had a panic attack a couple of years ago now. Wow. Yeah, a couple of years ago. And it was all because of business, you know, future projecting. I should be here. I'm not there. Yeah. Everyone else is having success more than me, all this stuff, right? All these thoughts. Yeah. And it gave me a panic attack. I didn't even realize that was happening until my friend was like, yeah, actually, it's not food poisoning. You got a panic attack. Yeah, it boiled. And then I was just like, you know, I just got to sit with these, feel these negative emotions. Mm -hmm. Just feel it. Like, yeah, what if I am a failure? You know? Oh, wow. What, what happens if I, nothing works out? Nothing that I do works out. Yeah, just, just sit with that. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Just just accept that that could happen. Yeah. You know? And wow, then, then it went away. That's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Just accepting the negative. Like I've, I've always, no, 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 that's not going to happen. I don't want to feel this. Like I don't, that's not going to happen, you know? And it's, and it's even just hearing you say that right now, it is incredibly triggering and incredibly liberating of like, who are we if we're not successful? Mm. Who are we if we're not achieving? 
They're human. Mm. Which I think comes from what have we judged in the past? If somebody's more successful than somebody else, can we love them as equally as a successful person? And in my experience, that's where my anxiousness came from. Well, if I'm not successful, if I'm not, if I'm not a, if that in my business or whatever, who am I? Then I'm a nobody. That is bullshit. Yeah. That is absolute bullshit. But everyone believes that. Everyone. And it's in, that's, that's the problem with society. That's part of the reason why so many people are depressed. because mm-hmm. they literally believe, like, if I'm not making a certain amount of money, if I'm not doing these things, like all these people, yeah. then I'm, I'm not worth it. Totally. And then, and then the funny thing is, it's like, actually not funny, but when you... <laughs> when, and yet we laugh. <laughs> when you go to these events, <laughs> like you experience it. So this, this story of I'm not worth it or I'm, I'm not good enough to be with these people, it actually is exacerbated when you go to an event yep. because all the people that are making all the money are hanging out with all the other people that are making all the money. Yeah, and, we, and we're glorifying it. Yeah, and then... You tell yourself the story, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that's that that guy. I can't hang, or that girl. I can't hang out with him. Yeah, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. You know how many? You know, I tell you the hardest journey I've had living here in Bali. For those of you that been have been here, you live here, and those of you that haven't, but entrepreneurs everywhere, successful people everywhere. Oh, I'm not worthy of hanging around that person, and I and I held that for a long time until I started to understand I don't want to be treated like that. If I'm at that point that I don't want Sally Joe to be like, I can't hang around Tal. No, I want I want her to hang around just because she she's a maid. Mm. We're not any different. We're all the same and we're equal. Yeah. And it's a journey that I would say I'm so grateful that you've brought us here. It's a journey that I am working on every day because I'm not there yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's good that you're open and honest about this stuff. You know, it's that's actually one of my biggest areas of growth. We're talking about inner work. For me, it's practicing being more open and vulnerable Yeah, with the world, yeah. not just with my close friends. Like just, you know, being on camera and talking about this stuff yeah. is actually like my dream in a way, in a weird way. And you know? you're already doing it. Yeah. 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 There is much power in vulnerability. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like right now in the world, there's not many people you know, being real. Yeah. And that's something that one of your values, right? Authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I, I appreciate you about, appreciate you, appreciate about you a lot is the authenticity, yeah. you know, like yeah. just the openness. And I tell you, Aaron, it's not, and I, it's not always accepted. You know, when you're your most authentic self, truth be told, not everyone knows how to receive it. Mm. And so it also True. then creates a story in you of like, oh, and then you start to play the game that's not you. Yes. And um, I would say on your podcast, it is something that I am deeply committed to following through with because mm. I believe it. I believe that's how we rise. Yeah. And again, that comes from trusting yourself, mm-hmm. you know, trusting yourself, you know, trusting the process of life as well. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to work out, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And not, not attaching yourself to the outcome. Yep. Because how do you make lots of money in your business if you're, you have the goal, but you're not attaching yourself to the goal. You're, you're totally. focusing on how you feel every day, yeah. which actually ironically gets the goal. And you're also attached to the identity of you being successful in your business. Your business is not who you are. Mm. Your business is what you do. Mm. We've got to find the identity in ourselves that lives outside of all the labels, mm. which is just a, a human. Yeah. 
we can dance, we can uh, talk about that. You're dancing, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, you started dancing again. Yeah, that's been it. When you say, you know, being really committed to being authentic, um, I came back to Bali this year and um, and I'm super grateful. Like I say now, we've spoken so much on this podcast about relationships and Josh is such a mirror of who I'm committing and working to be every day and who I already am. And he reminded me like, you got to do the things that make you happy. I remind him, you got to do the things. And one of those things are, are dancing and singing. And man, do I feel good dancing? I'm just, I'm like, you know, I just did my dance class yesterday. Yeah. It's a good feeling. It's a, you know, saying to the girls after it, when you have a bunch of women that are sweaty and like you've danced and like yesterday was like an Afrofusion, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not like, you know, here doing my little booty booties, but I'm like <laughs> having a time. And after we're all sitting around going, how good do we all feel? And just that in itself is like, how good do we all feel? Mm. You're not in the gym sometimes doing the weights and looking and judging your body, right? Because dancing has this gift where you learn the moves or you don't learn the moves, right? And you're just being. You're, I explain it as a butterfly. You're just, you're just a butterfly, you know? And there's no judgment. Mm. It's beautiful yeah. to experience that and do that as a practice. Totally. You know? And it's all driven by how you feel, yeah. not how you look or how much weight am I going to lose? You know, all these things. And it, you need that balance. Mm. You need the balance. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. So what are the, what are the, uh, I, I always ask this question, what's the philosophy that Talia has on life? <laughs> what is your life philosophy? <sighs> I think I veered away from it when I moved to Bali, my dad reminds me all the time, this is such a, a sweet thing. I've never shared this, but when I started my first, first job and um, I was on the payroll and like, you know, whatever, you do the invoice, all the things. And Goofy Tal, I'd always put live, love, life at the bottom of the, of the, of the whatever. And my dad used to make fun of me for it. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> and I think as I've gotten older, without giving you many sentences and understandings, the philosophy, philosophy of life to me is to live, is to love, is to life. To live and everything that means is to love and everything that that is and then do your life. That's it. Mm. I, every day consciously, Erin, am aware of being a good human. I care about being a good human. And that doesn't mean, as you beautifully said, why you're triggered. When you smile, it's like people don't always want to perceive. I don't want people to perceive me this way. I truly, truly, truly believe that it's not about being depicted as the joy and the dark and the light and the this. It's just about choosing to be a good human. And when I feel like I'm choosing to be a good human, I feel lighter. I feel healthier. My well-being feels better. And I want to live a good life. I want to live a long life. So that would be the f philosophy, to live, to love, and to life. I love that. That's beautiful. That's a great way to end. <laughs> so, Talia, it's been a really good chat. We could talk for hours, I'm sure. I adore sure. you, man. Yeah. Wow. What, a, what an amazing woman you are. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, you know, I want everyone to hear this. I, you know, we're outside of having a conversation. 
we're friends. I'm very, very grateful to have you in my life. And I'd like to say we are mirrors of each other, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to be in a romantic container to be mirrors of somebody mm. else. Yeah, and I'd say for me, it's it's very nice because my whole life I never really had any female friends, but it's really nice to have female friends that embody a lot of the values that I hold and, and value, you know? So thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> Good man. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed and uh, we'll see you soon.